I wonder what we're going to talk about. Well, you know what's fascinating uh, about about people who make fun in the entertainment business? You know, whatever we consider fun. It's all adults. And as I've gotten older, I've understood that the arbiters of fun in our lives and even, you know, children's lives, all that is made by adults. And my point is, with bringing that up, I have to imagine that the people at Nintendo have to have unrelenting imagination and just know how to have fun. Like, those are the kind of people I probably want to hang out with a little bit just to see what fun looks like because Mario Wonder is just absolutely delightful and it's fun and I can't get enough of this game and as far as I understand all three of us have played this which is actually kind of a rare occurrence on this podcast (laughs) where everybody who is participating has played the game I think it's just fascinating wouldn't you guys agree? yes 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 Full stop. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so. And I've got your YouTube clickbait, you know, hook here. The, the truth about Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and the okay. truth is, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <It's> not bad. <laughs> That's on the thumbnail. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> I just need to figure out whose face goes on the front. Is it Bowser? Oh. Is it Mario with a frown? You know, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I like the sad Mario where he's on the stairs and he's just kind of like this. Oh yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll do that. But yeah, I don't know. Like in my opinion. Mario Wonder is this weird mix of Mario World and Kirby's Dreamland 2, both of those being in my top 10 games of all time. Oh, the wow. Kirby's Dreamland 2 thing comes from the Wonder Flowers. In Kirby's Dreamland 2, there's these collectibles you have to collect. They're called rainbow drops. But every world has this rainbow drop that if you collect them all, you get a secret ending and all this other stuff if you're not aware with how Dreamland 2 works. And then Mario Wonder. That is the rainbow drop, but it's in every single level. And so there's always this carrot you're chasing because you're always looking for the flower. They're not always hard to find, but that idea of I'm always looking for something. It's not just platforming through the level. It's not just finding the little secrets that Mario tends to have. It is now there is something that grants a reward right there immediately in the level, which is not something Mario has traditionally done in the past as far as 2D Mario goes. We've gotten to the point where Mario does collectibles in 3D Mario, but those collectibles are simply the goal. The Wonder Flowers is a part of the experience immediately, and I love that. Yeah, it's always something to look forward to, right? You're always going, well, and, and so it's interesting because, you know, Mario, I think, maybe you'd agree, maybe you wouldn't. I mean, the the whole appeal of him, especially for like the mainline ones, is that there's all these ideas, all these creative things happening, you know, Mario Odyssey, Mario 64, all that stuff. All these creative ideas are constantly coming at you. So it's like, what's the next surprising thing they're going to do? And so, you know, the big thing with Mario Wonder is it has these wonder flowers, right? But it's kind of reframing the surprises like 
you know, this isn't this isn't just Mario. We have this big surprise for you every single level. Something to look forward to. It's like a little mystery box, and you're like, because you know, when you do we do a Mario level, there's the level, right? Like it's gonna be about this one enemy, right. he's gonna do different things. And so you're guessing though, you have you go into these levels being like, how's it gonna twist it at the end? Because you know a twist is coming. And right. I think I think the smart thing about that though is Mario games are kind of and they've, they've openly talked about this. They're kind of designed that way already in a, in a sense where they're going to introduce an idea. Then they're going to escalate it, make it a little more difficult. And then they're going to have some kind of twist on it that makes it interesting at the end. And they, they have like some kind of like, I think they like compared to like origami folding or something like that. Something where they have this philosophy of how they make their Mario games. But Wonder differs from that. And like it's, it makes it obvious, but in somehow even though you're always expecting the surprise, it's still surprising. It's still fun. And that, that, that you, <laughs> you, you don't expect that when you touch the wonder flower, that the piranha plants are going to start singing. Right. That's not something. <laughs> that was delightful, by the way. It was so good. <laughs> I was like, this is the second level. They're already dropping banger moments already. <laughs> but I mean, yes, Mario has always been Mario wonder. They literally just throw it in your face and like, this is the game. Like, wonder being, I'm wondering what's going to happen. Every question mark block is a, I wonder what's going to pop out of this. Every moment you fly into the sky, whether it's Mario 3 or Mario, what, I wonder what is up here. And so they literally were just like, we're going to just drop this in the name and you're going to wonder what everything is. Not just the question mark blocks, not just what's on the sky, not what's down below, but what's going to happen with these flowers every single time you touch them? The uh, the it one wakes me up. But what if Mario took drugs? That's kind of what I feel like yeah. when I play. So like oh, it is. it's just so over the top. It is. Well, we know what these wonder like, flowers yeah. really are. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what those mushrooms, you know what mushrooms really are, are. right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I'm pretty yeah, sure they, they were taking drugs as they made this game <laughs> well i mean there, there, there's there's two sides to it right and I, I mean obviously i'm a super nerd so i know everything about how they design these games i read all the interviews and stuff right and so when i when i when i'm playing this game there's that sense of wonder and there's also like the other side of it where i mean scientists made this game they, they have like objectively calculable ways to figure out what's most fun like that when you know Nintendo started as a toy company and they have like the, the initial development studios that they used to make their games, they used to refer to them as Research and Development Studio One, Research and Development Studio Two. Like they have like scientifically calculable ways to dis- determine what's fun. Their their level design thing I described a little bit earlier. I mean, I'm sure they've got so much testing and data to be like, yep, this is this is how we make our game to be the most fun thing ever. <laughs> and so it's like a it's like an interesting combination of we're trying to like open the door to as much imagination and wonder and all this stuff and you can also kind of feel like the science cold hard nintendo logic version of it like encroaching upon it but it doesn't destroy the game or anything it's just like it's a weird mixture and i can't help but notice it every every time i play i like every time you see the coins lead you in exactly the right way it's like oh yeah um, robots made this. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo seems akin to Disney in that 
in that way. Not ne- maybe not necessarily today's Disney, but like I always heard I've as someone who's done customer service stuff, I've researched some of the different Disney isms and stuff. And even the trash cans are researched as to how far apart they are supposed to be because they have researched how long someone will walk with trash in their hands. And they have placed those to make sure, A, their custodians don't have to clean up all the time, but B, anybody ever notice that Disney is literally like the cleanest place and you've got so many kids? <laughs> it's just It should be a wreck all the time. I yeah, worked yeah. in a GameStop. It should be a wreck yeah. all the time. But it is so wonderfully put together to keep it that way. And that's kind of how Nintendo feels with, with what you're saying with this studio research and development and all this. They're literally looking, okay, how far apart can we put the fun yes. <laughs> to yeah, keep exactly. people having fun? <laughs> but the interesting thing about that is that wasn't the case with the new Super Mario series. That yeah. was an inconsistent up and down. It had its fun moments, but it wasn't consistent to the level of fun that previous Marios typically are, right? Uh, the new Super Mario Brothers on the DS, that was good. New Super Mario Brothers, eh, it was okay. Uh, and it was kind of up and down until New Super Mario U, where it was like, okay, like the great level design, all that stuff. Luigi U took it to another level just to make it a little bit more difficult. So whatever whatever they did here, it was we're going to look at, okay, what what do really people like about Mario? And instead of let's try to make Mario remain current, which is how I felt the new Super Mario series worked, let's just try to keep it current. Let's try to keep it in front of people. This is like, no, this is what y'all love about Mario. This is everything you love about Mario. And if for the most part, I mean, it just straight nails everything. Um, yeah. This is where well, I... Th- you go ahead. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to go to bed a little bit, just a little bit for New Super Mario Bros. <laughs> um, you're, you're correct, because I, I think the idea was basically to recapture what Mario one was for people like, you know, in 2010. Yeah. New Super Mario brothers. Yeah. I think that is, I think they openly said that. Yeah. And so the idea is like, this is, this is our somebody, some baby's first Mario game. And so we're going to stick to that. And, you know, if that's your first Mario game, I think you're going to find it's a great, surprising, fun game, just the way, you know, the previous Mario games were. But it's one of those things, and I think what they, the way they tackle things in Wonder is informed by this, is that the more Mario you play, the less exciting New Super Mario Bros. is. Because you get you get used to all this stuff, right? I mean, the Goombas are weird, but they're not weird if you play them um, every game for like 20 years, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but the New Super Mario series does something unlike ever any other Mario game before it, where they literally use the same stuff over and over and over and over again. Mario wow. Brothers, um, Super Mario Brothers was unique compared to Mario Brothers 2, which, yes, it was a switch off of Doki Doki Panic, but then, wow. which is different from Super Mario 3, which is different from Super Mario World. And so you, you see how they build upon each other, but they're never quite the same. Mario Brothers, uh, New Super Mario Brothers 2 goes for like the whole let's collect a, a 3 billion coins. 
But then you don't the like next that? one after that kind of goes back to <laughs> traditional, uh, you know, new Super Mario, whatever new Super Mario Brothers was. And so uh, I think that was the Wii. So, but it's like the same music, same castle music, you know, like, well, so there, there's, you know, there's, Mar- there's Mario 1, there's Mario 2, and then there's two Mario 2s, right? Right, that, the one the, in the Japan. Original yes. Mario Two is is yeah. basically a reskin of the first one with different yeah. levels, and I think they took that same philosophy. Though. Yes, and I think they took a very similar philosophy for why they did New Super Mario the way they did. You're like, oh, but they well. kept going longer than yeah. that. Mario Three they, is completely different than yeah. Mario Lost Levels for us, yeah. uh, and Mario World different than Mario Three. That, yeah, that's yeah. really my point. They extended that yeah. to four or five games in the same series, where it's like, yo, like, okay, I've I've heard this music, I've. I've seen these kind of things. We're we're okay. Can we? It's the same desert level, you know, like the same kind of aesthetics and things like that. That did, where did, you, is did where, you cringe when you saw the desert in Wonder? No, no, no I didn't cringe. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I feel like that's like because you know everyone gives Sonic crap for like the Green Hill and using that all the time. I feel like Nintendo really loves deserts, and they put in like every single game. <laughs> <laughs> like water wa- water levels and i wish they didn't put those in every single game it's because miyamoto yeah. really loves arizona <laughs> maybe <laughs> you know and obviously the desert and wonder is great like it's like an actual good world but just like the idea like you're doing all this crazy creative stuff but you guys just can't get rid of the desert you guys just love the desert too much <laughs> yeah um I think probably the desert just allows for a lot of creative thing, interesting things to happen that they that they're inspired by. I have no idea. I like what they do on the map with that, where yes, stuff yep. you're just running around the map and boom, there's a oh, there's there's a level. Okay, let's let's do it. Um, so I like that, but um, I think the only thing I don't like about Mario Wonder is I I do feel like the Wonder Flowers are a little too easy to find. Um. I, I like the approach that they've taken. Again, I, I compare it to Kirby's Dream Land 2 because what they do with the Wonder Flowers as far as 2D Mario is concerned, they haven't really done in a 2D Mario before. And the closest thing I've seen with that is Kirby's Dream Land 2. But in Kirby's Dream Land 2, the, the rainbow drops aren't necessarily hard to collect, but sometimes they make you think about how to actually get them. Maybe you need the right power-up, so you have to double back and start the level over and try to keep that power up so when you get to the spot, you can use it. And they try to throw things at you to make you lose the power up and stuff like that. That doesn't really happen in Mario Wonder where you specifically have to equip a, a badge or you have to use you know, a certain enemy to necessarily... Collect. It happens sort of, but super infrequently. It's not, it's not often enough. And so it kind of takes away the... I wouldn't say it takes away the effect, but it doesn't make it as delight because it's. I know if I can generally just play through the level, I will come across it, and I would like it to be more of a. Oh, I wonder where it is. Oh my gosh, I can't find. What thing do I have to do? What kind of platforming mechanic do I have to achieve to to get the thing? And they got little moments where it's not necessarily with the wonder flower, but some other secret that you'll find. But I do wish it was more specific to the Wonder Flowers. Yeah, well, I feel like a, a lot of the magic of like the first Mario is, or you know, the original Nintendo ones is just like 
you could literally jump anywhere and there might be a secret there, right? There, there could be secrets everywhere and there are no like necessary limitations to it. And I think you're right. Like the secrets in Wonder are generally pretty tame. Like I feel like that, actually, I feel like the first world's secrets are the mo most clever ones in the entire game. Otherwise it's all kind of like in your face, pretty easy to find if you've played platformers before, right? Like you kind of know the tricks. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, the wonder in Mario Wonder is very in your face. You can't really escape it. You can't even like miss it by accident. <laughs> um, yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think the yeah, direction with that comes from collect the flower and then see what happens. Yeah. Like that. I think that's the effect they're going for. Um, and then some of the, the weird stuff that the secretive stuff like. Once you collect the Wonder Flower, like there are some secrets within that kind yep. of weird stuff happening. Um, so I, I do want to give them credit. Like it's not like just the Wonder Flower and that just depletes the whole experience. But I, do, I just wish that were more the case. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, it kind of goes into what I was talking about earlier about them being the fun scientist, right? Like, they're, de they're designing these games so that everyone can get the most amount of fun at this point, right? They're not, and I think at really a big concern with like every game developer now is like, they're very worried about people missing things, <laughs> you know, like they, they can't do secrets the way they used to do when it was just like three guys in a room putting stuff into a game that they find is fun, right? This is all very rigorously tested and, you know, developed so that, you know, I, one thing that I really bugs me about this game, you know how like when I was talking about the mystery blocks that are like invisible and stuff, you can like actually see them if you're certain characters. And so basically, if mm, you're like yep, really yep. if you're really insane, you can map out every single secret block in the game. And I just don't know if you should like be able to do that without. I don't know. I feel like that's like going a little too far and like giving you all the secrets, right? I mean, it's like some stuff should just not be easily laid out no matter what no matter how tedious it is <laughs> and if you do that it kind of gets rid of the magic a little bit yeah i don't i think they expect most people to just kind of stick with one or two characters yeah. and go from there so there are the uh i forget what they're specifically called luigi but they're these baby luigi yeah luigi's the best character luigi. <laughs> i wholeheartedly disagree but I understand where you come from. <laughs> well, who's your pick? Uh, huh? Who's your pick? Oh, of course. The main man himself. Mario. Oh, okay. Of All course. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, if it's not Mario, I'll pick Daisy. Yeah, um, that's fine. <laughs> it's acceptable to you? I'm glad yeah, I have acceptable. your approval for Daisy. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but with... Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, we were talking about the, the, oh yes. Cause selected characters. Yeah. I think yeah. most people would only use one character, uh, most of the time. So I think what's interesting, you have those self-contained levels where you kind of have to. I don't even know. I don't remember what they were called off the top of my head. I should be playing those, gameplay, the, the, by the way. Those break uh, ones. 
or those puzzle ones you mean, right? Yeah, those very specific puzzle ones. Yeah. Um where you could kind of choose different characters and some stuff might pop up, some stuff may not. But if you're using one character, I mean, those those were kind of challenging. I was like, yo, (laughs) I do not know where to, what to do with this. So um, I thought those were good. But even I did try one where I just switched the character just to see what would happen. And I really didn't find anything specific for that character. So I think some of them, they're just, you know, you just got to figure it out uh, regardless. Um, So I don't know how pertinent that problem is. What I, now that I'm looking at this gameplay, which is mine, by the way, um, the... Well, and and just to clarify, it's not like it's a big problem. I just feel like it's the principle of the thing, right? (laughs) You know? You know, where, where, where's the fun and wonder and like telling everyone where the secrets are? <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I, I do feel like in this age of the internet, you probably could hide the wonder flowers a lot more because people could just look up where they're at. Yes. So yeah. you don't really have to look back at, you know, what happened in Mario World and Mario 3 and how difficult some things were to find and go, yeah, we got to make it. We want everybody to find the wonder flower. It's like, well, if they're having that much trouble, number one, you're great at just putting out secrets where, you know, just if you die too many times, here's here's the infinite life thing so you can get through the... Or people are just going to look it up on the internet. So might as well just make it as hard as you want. I mean, there's that one level uh, was incredibly difficult where you had to jump and wall jump all through all the platforms all in time with the music and stuff. Uh, that was a tough level. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta deal with it. If you go put them in there, might as well, might as well just just go not all the way. I, but put them in there. Hide them flowers a little better. Yeah. What do you think about the badges? I like them, but I wish there was more like actual like levels dedicated to them. Like you know, they have those badge challenges, but a lot of them feel like tutorials. Agreed. Um, and. If you use them on the normal levels, there's a couple. Like if you do the badge challenge where you unlock the badge and then do a level like right next to it, it's kind of built for that badge a lot of the time. But otherwise, there's really not. It feels like you're just picking how you want to cheat. <laughs> so it's it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so That's I mean, I like it. it. I, I like it, but it's. I, I wish they went a little far, further with it. Um, and I guess I won't go too into it. But like, if you go to the final challenges of the game, there's a little bit of that, and it kind of is like. Wow, I wish there was more of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, the moment I want to talk about this moment on screen right here where I had hit the little snail thing and the shell went out, and I realized, oh, frick, I needed that shell so I could get through the bigger blocks. Those moments like that, I like those because now it's now it kind of adds a moment where I have to replay the level. And well, here's here's my big nitpick for this, right? So okay. if this was an old Nintendo game, you would go like two steps off screen it would just respond <laughs> it would, it would. <laughs> and, 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 and in this game you can kind of do that but you got to go like really far back and it's like why are you guys messing with me like this <laughs> <laughs> but even with that like even if they didn't respond at all i that's the kind of things i appreciate with what this game does in some ways and i wish it did it more because it does to me, that adds the sort of wonder and surprise 
Um, it gives it a little teeth. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree about the badges. Um, I just wanted more reason to use them for specific cases. And it was kind of, honestly, I only needed two <laughs> really. Like yeah. there's not really too many badges. I did absolutely 100% need. There were moments where I was going through a level and thought, okay, this would be easier with a specific badge, particularly the water levels with the dolphin. Yeah. But for the most part, the default badge you get with the whole hat thing, um, parachute, <laughs> the strong, strong badge yeah. from jump. Um, David, how'd you feel about the badges? Badges. Uh, I only got to the first one, which like you said, is that I, it is one of those things where I do like it for the sheer sake that it's not something I remember from 2D Mario games. <laughs> like, it, I don't know if it, a Mario game has actually ever done that before with, like, having, like, these special little abilities like this the to add in thing almost is in probably an RPG like, way. Yeah, not like that. The closest thing is, like, if you pick different characters, like, Luigi would have the flutter jump thing or, yeah. like, Princess Peach would, like, float or something like that. And that's kind of yes. what these badges give you. But, you know, Just it puts for in your hands. Yeah, it puts in your hands for which one you will actively want to pick. Yeah, so that I think it's a lot of fun. It, even though, like you said, it is kind of borrowing that idea, so to speak, from just instead of making you making everybody choose different characters for certain things, that they, they're more or less just pushing you to, hey, this is for any character you want to use. Yeah. Um, the elephant power up. How are we feeling about that one? I got big problems with the elephant. <laughs> Do you really? You or you, have problems are you messing with, with us? <laughs> well, you, you can decide. <laughs> that looked like a uh, Kirby level right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just going straight up. Yeah. Yep. Kirby levels like to go straight up. Anyway, my big problem is I normally mean, when, when, when Mario. So bit, it'll always be a big problem. Absolutely. It's the, the elephant in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but so when Mario gets a power up in a Mario game, he's supposed to put on a suit, right? He's supposed to like actually dress up like in a suit. And I think they took that from Mario 3 because it's like a stage play that he's putting on these different suits. He's dressing up like these animals. He's just an elephant. He's not he's not putting on a suit anymore. He's just an elephant. It's not it's not right. I, I think they messed up. <laughs> I mean the fire flower does it technically like he turns a different color yeah if he puts on a different fire flower suit it's fine it, it works in canon <laughs> <laughs> well he's look at his face like what do you think that is like elephant titus so here's what actually happens jack we all know that this again is mario on drugs <laughs> he's actually in an elephant suit you're just seeing how he perceives the whole thing well I, i'll accept that i'll accept that that's fine then <laughs> see fixed <laughs> yeah that works with the lore. <laughs> one of the things i want to figure out um if you hold water in the trunk at the end of a level He'll spray the the whatever the the toad ish thing. Yeah, the flower guys. Yeah, the flower guys, and they'll bloom. 
I wonder if there is a secret where in any level that there is water, if you hold the trunk and uh, hold water in the trunk to the end of the level and spray all the flower guys, something will happen. I'm curious. See? Yeah. You, you see how they got me wondering? This is this yeah. is the kind of stuff. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> and that's why it's called Mario Wonder. Yeah. Because so he was wondering. Some somebody's probably already done this because people love <laughs> to blast through these things. But I I am curious. I need I need to know this as soon as possible because I thought that was a little fascinating touch. Or is it just a little playful thing? If it's just a playful thing, that's kind of a disappointment because I feel like they could have done something with that. But that's not something that's going to lower my score or say well, it's a bad game. Maybe a point or two. Nah. <laughs> not even a point. Not even. This is a fantastic freaking game. Um, it's just so freaking good. The Mario 3. I'm happy there's no timer. I'm, oh yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. To, I'm not upset at all <laughs> that there's no timer. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. Like I obviously in later Mario games, especially the new Super Mario series, I mean the timer is so long, they might as well not okay. have one. Yeah. So in it's some just cases, that, there's that lack of tension though that I'm going to miss something. <laughs> Cuz they want yeah. you to explore. So I yeah. I I respect that. Um but there there is a feeling within the gameplay where I kind of do wish there was some of that tension. And I guess that is coming from the fact that it's not hard to find some of these things. So if it's not hard to find it, I wish there was some kind of pressure just to make it where you have to make a decision. Like, do I do I go for the Wonder Flower or do I not? Because I'm running out of time. Will I have enough time if I activate the Wonder Flower? Something like that. Um, and Again, I think that just comes from the fact that the Wonder Flowers are just too easy to find. So I'm looking for something that it would add a little bit more tension with that. Yeah, I want a timer can be a great tool if you like make levels specifically for it, like the Luigi U. I mean, I think it's a great use yeah. of the timer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mario Wonder, well, it's interesting, right? Because it, it has, normally when you play one of these modern Nintendo games, they have like the main game, which is like brain dead easy. And then they have like the post game, which is like the actual hard stuff. Right. Um, Wonder has kind of like a weird mix of it where it's like you, you pick the levels you want. You can skip most of them. Actually, if you want to, you don't really need to play most of them, but they will throw in like, here's here's an actual hard level too. And so they're kind of playing around with it. But yeah, I mean, most of them, there is no real tension. You're supposed to explore and try to find all the yeah. secrets and yeah, it would be great I if there was more that. attention. Yeah, yeah. I, I know this is revealing. Uh, your review will be posted by then, but I just read something that has to be mentioned. Uh, he's speaking about the flowers and the level, and we can get into that, the talking flowers. But he says that rather <laughs> that you can turn them off, but rather than turning them off, he preferred turning them to German. <laughs> all I can think of now is like <laughs> some walking up to some flower <laughs> just scree what? screaming at me. That's what it's like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to try that now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to try switching the flowers to a different language. That would that would make it a lot more fun. It wasn't that Sorry for that random. Though. Sorry for that rather random no, <laughs> interruption, <fine>. but... <laughs> uh, I didn't find those as or annoying as I thought they would be. 
because uh, in the not, trailers, you know, they're just all kind of back to back. But well, yeah, one well, like, kind of concept out in a way that's not annoying. Yeah, well, I mean, the concept is just like unappealing, right? You don't want like some flower guy, whatever happens on screen, to just say like, "Well, that just happened," like yeah. you know, and that's and that's, and that's, and that's what, <laughs> which is kind of what they're like in the game. But you know, they do it in a way where sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's like trying to help you guide the player, or whatever. Yeah, and, and it's and it's it's okay, but I would I rather not hear them in English, so I switched the voice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about switching the voice. Uh, yeah, they didn't bother me that much. So, and they sometimes do say some goofy things. That's like, oh, that was oh, that gave me a chuckle. I appreciate that. But yeah, all these little details that could annoy people could add to to the fun. Yeah, this is this is a good Super Mario Brothers three and Mario World are literally my one and two games of all time. I don't know where this sits yet <laughs> on that timeline um, or my or my list, not timeline. I, I think this is going to be one of those where I'm going to have to replay it a whole bunch because Mario 3 and Mario World are just really, really hard to top. <laughs> to me. Yeah, I, I um, think I like them more than this, but. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff that goes into it, though, right? I mean, it's a different feel. This Nintendo that's making Mario Wonder is very different from the Nintendo that was making those games, right? Yeah, um, the spirit of those is in this. Well, it absolutely of, is. Like, the spirit of a lot of Mario games is in this one. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's it's you can kind of feel the difference. I feel like, and at least for me, I kind of prefer that old school where it feels like a bunch of guys were just kind of like having fun putting stuff in low key versus I, I mean, this is a great game. It's a greatly designed game in a lot of ways, but you can kind of feel the scientist a lot. And I don't think scientists necessarily made Mario three, right? You can kind of feel just random stuff and weird stuff they did just because they thought it was wacky or fun. And well, I feel like there is some of that with this. When you start getting to the later levels, it's like, Oh my God, like what? They no, thought of this? This is nuts. Yeah. Like, and this is awesome. And maybe there's a better way for me to phrase that. It's like, I guess when I play Wonder, I feel a lot of calculated oh, no. fun. <laughs> I, a lot of calculated fun. And I don't know. It, it, it feels different to me, personally. But <laughs> no, um, I, I think, because it, it sounds like you're talking about they use Mario World and and three and other Mario as as reference material where there wasn't any reference material for them right. before other than different. just Mario Brothers, and so yeah. it was how do we expand upon what Mario Brothers did and make this interesting, uh, and so this is like okay, well let's let's look back. What did people like about Mario World? Okay, well it had the world map and here's some. Uh, instances of Mario 3 where stuff is popping up on the map and you know whatever else is happening um speaking of Mario 3 and what what did you think of the bosses in this game I th I actually thought they were very inventive um yeah, really cuz i they're kind of all the same variation of that one turtle boss in Mario 3 that where you jump on him and he goes back and forth and i thought yeah no the, the Mario 3 bosses <laughs> were not great um, because they all generally did the same thing. I think Wendy Koopa in Mario 3 was like the one yeah. 
outlier she like where her, she does like the magic wand thing i mean well she had the rings and so the rings yeah. would bounce where most yeah. everybody else just had the little wand and shoot out the three things and then you had the level layout to deal with uh you had i think it was morton jr where he would like stomp and if you were on the ground you would you know uh be paralyzed for a moment so you had little details like that but generally they weren't that tough to fight um this one goes a little bit mario wonder goes a little bit further and instead of three hits it's four um so that threw me off at first i was like oh three oh shoot we got one okay one more phase um but i i felt like they tried to make it as clever and interesting as possible and i would say generally the fights are are more interesting uh than what mario 3 did with the the, the children well and i guess there's two layers to that right it's more interesting than mario 3 yeah but this is also like 30 years later right and they're still doing this same type of boss and just a little a little different it seems off to me like there's so many big ideas with the wonder flowers and the level design and they're still like recreating this one specific boss from mario 3 i don't know it's (laughs) (laughs) it just seemed off to me and it almost feels like an afterthought because some of the worlds you just don't have a boss at all and they're just like um uh, you passed oh, yeah. the test. You passed the test, so no boss. Right. Yeah. Don't make us do another boss. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It's 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 one of those things where it stands out to me as just a little odd. And you know, it's hard to make a Mario boss, right? Because yeah, you're ultimately like, it's, stopping everything. You're right. It's not like a gate type of game that lends itself to bosses. But I feel like you can kind of make up with that with like some kind of spectacle. And they, they do that a little bit with the Bowser Jr. stuff, but I don't know. It, it seems oddly muted compared to the rest of the game to me. I I agree that it is more muted than the levels and whatnot, but I feel like what they went for with the different layouts and different ways you have to fight Bowser Jr., I feel like it fits with what design they were doing with the whole game. The level designs are supposed to be interesting, so the boss... The boss designs aren't necessarily interesting, but the the levels of the boss designs, I think, are what makes the fights a little bit more interesting. But yes, I mean, in terms of boss fights, Mario Odyssey, I think, takes the cake in terms of like best boss fights. But that's because it's a 3D platformer. There's there is more room to do some interesting things in a 3D environment when it comes to a one on one fight. 2D, it is it, that's a tougher thing to get but i feel like this is one of the best versions of boss fights for 2d mario for sure yeah for yeah for 2d mario yeah i mean i guess it's just because you know a lot of ways they're trying to match the 3d mario right with all these different ideas and trying to like refresh you know the we haven't really even talked about it but i mean i think the biggest change is that they're just adding so much life to the visuals and all this kind of stuff like that's the biggest difference from New Super Mario Bros. I think is that they they kind of like refreshed everything to be like, oh yeah, here's some like actual animations like showing personality, like here's some Goombas like sleeping oh, yeah. or doing stuff, and like oh these are like actual creatures and not just like abstract game mechanics. Um, and it you know you, you see a lot of that, and it's just it, it's it's strange when things don't necessarily match up the whole way through, and you think that. With all these Nintendo scientists they have, you know, calculating their fun with the chemicals and stuff, (laughs) they'd be able to, like, go a little further with the bosses, even if it's hard to do it. But 
you know, it is what it is. I mean, they're fine. It's just like, it's strange. <laughs> yeah, I, guess, I guess I don't know what you're looking for with the bosses. Uh, what what are you looking for? I mean, just something that feels different than the, the turtle guy you stomp on and he rolls around for a little bit, you know? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, you take the water level, you had to like swim through airborne water bubbles, you know, and... And then you stomp on him and he rolls around a little and then he does another thing. Well, okay. So, <laughs> so if you add a situation where you have to come in with a specific power up, then you don't have that power up, then you're screwed, right? You don't have any other options. So that idea well, is out the window. I mean, I, mean, I mean, part of it is just, you know, it could be really, could really be anything. I just think it's weird it to like, to get hung up on, the turtle boss from 30 years ago <laughs> and like do different variations of that. Cause that's what Mario three did, right? It did like eight variations of that turtle boss. And then, well, yeah, it was all, it was all the children of Bowser, seven yeah. children of Bowser, but generally yeah. the way you fight them was. And then Bowser jr, I guess, killed them all. And now he's the only child, I, you know? <laughs> oh, so you're like, oh, okay. So you want different bosses. Yeah, that would help. I mean, that would be a step in the right direction, I think. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I, I don't know what, yeah, I mean, I did have the thought, oh, it's Bowser Jr. again. I didn't realize it was going to be Bowser Jr. the whole time. Um, so, yes, that, looks, I, I agree that cool did. cool when he does the wonder thing. He looks cool. I like dark jet Bowser Jr., but, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, I did not expect that to be the case. Uh, so, in, in that regard, yeah, it's a little disappointing. But in terms of the actual mechanics of each fight, they are far more interesting than what happened in Mario three. Like if there, if there is the only two knocks I really have against Mario three is the boss fights aren't incredibly interesting up until, you know, you know, there's Wendy and then there's Morton and then um, the actual fight with Bowser. And then world eight is kind of like a, just a suite of mini games of like, let's just throw every hard uh, yeah, auto scrolling thing at you, right? So like, I hate World Eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. World, world Eight is World Eight is rough. I, I appreciate the difficulty, but in terms of like stylization, yeah, it's it's not the best. Um, I feel like this game kind of avoids all of that. You know, everything feels different. Uh, everything feels uh, like it, it is meant to surprise you. Even the boss fights and how you have to fight them, because even even that first phase with Bowser Jr. in every world is, you know, kind of a basic, okay, I just got to figure out how to Goomba stomp you. All right, I did that. And then he goes into wonder mode and, and then you wonder, what do I have to do here, right? So even that is like, oh, like, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> oh, frick, okay, let's, let's figure this out. And then if you got a suit on, you know, that could help or hinder depending on what suit you're wearing. But yeah, I feel like that is it's more thoughtful and interesting of a fight than anything Mario 3 did. And in some ways Mario World as well. Yeah, I mean Mar yeah. I mean Mario World is I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like of the Mario 2D ones, 3 is the best overall just because I mean, I feel like it's got more going on than World does, but Yeah, I I mean, we're, yeah, I mean I went back and forth between which one was my favorite for about <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I played one and be like, oh yeah, this, this one's the best. 
And then it was like Mario 3, I played it again. Oh, no, this one's <laughs> it's uh, little things. It's hard to let go of the spin jump thing that you do in world. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. That feels really nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mario, Mario Wonder, top five Mario game, easy, like already, for sure. I don't, I don't, I don't think that can be debated. I think well, this, top five Mario in general, or yeah. T- Terms of the Mario franchise, as far as platformers go, um, so, 2D so platformers, 2D, go, 2D, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I feel like it almost wins that by default, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, some people got a lot of love for Super Mario series. Yeah, some people got a lot of love for it. As the uh, person here who is not like very invested in Mario, this is a phenomenal Mario game. Like, so good. I ended up buying this just because of the FOMO, and I'm glad that I let that. I'm glad that I caved to giving Nintendo money. <laughs> yeah, same. I pre-ordered it. I, you know, generally don't do that anymore. I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just do it. Like, yeah, what, we ended what? up having that discussion during the last podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, while we were <laughs> while we were preparing, it we, it was either when we were prepping or when we got off. But one way or another, we talked we talked about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, do not regret it. Not one bit. Not one stinking bit. In terms of all, all right. Mario games, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this sits yet. Um, my top five Mario games: Mario Three, Mario World, Mario Odyssey. And... I was wondering where Odyssey fell. Yeah, it finally did throw into Mario sixty four because uh, <laughs> Mario sixty four was my third best forever. Because. Uh, you know, Galaxy is fantastic. I love the level design of Galaxy, but that game is too freaking easy. It's too freaking easy. I have a billion lives. I don't die that often. So um, I lost lost respect on Galaxy for that one. <laughs> but um, Mario Odyssey came around and I was like, oh, frick. Like that. I beat that game and I was like, this this was better than Mario 64. <laughs> like hands down. This is so good. Um And yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know where Mario Wonder sits. Uh, I don't even know. I gotta look at my list again. I don't remember well, what my you know, fifth. Is. You know, and I think one thing I'll say about it is I think it's probably the most consistently good Mario TD platformer. There's no part in this game where it's like, oh, it's this part. Oh, it's this level, right? I mean, it's all good. It's all fun. It is. Yeah, that's a good point. It is consistent. It is. Yeah, where Mario Three and Mario World do have some like I won't say lows. Um, it has parts you don't want to do. <laughs> it does, yeah. Uh, like like we said, Mario 3's World 8, you know, it could have been better. Um, yeah. The boss battles could have been better, but the highs are so freaking high. Um, and then same with Mario World, yeah, sometimes you just don't want to do some of the levels. They're not yeah. Sometimes all. I don't want to do the ghost houses, you know? I just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ghost houses. Ugh, I... I do not miss ghost houses. Yeah, those weren't that the most interesting design stuff. Um, but the highs are so freaking high for that game. Uh, where yeah. this is like the highs are high and they're consistent, but it they don't reach that like oh my god, <laughs> holy freak, that was that was kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, that that that's a great point. Well, by the time this is out uh your review will be posted so what'd you give what'd you give mario wonder jack 
Uh oh. <laughs> I gave it an eighty-five. Whoa, whoa, that's lower than I expected. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's. I, I didn't expect it. I, I think I would have gave it a ninety. Yeah. Not yeah. quite. Not quite well, one hundred, but ninety. So yeah, why why did it, you give it eighty five? Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I think it's a very consistently good game, and I mean, I, I, I think ultimately what it boils down to me is it's just there's a big conflict where I, I think it's a great game, I really enjoy it, but I don't know if I can necessarily love it in the same way that I love a lot of the different Mario's because I, I can, I can feel the scientists, I can feel the gears working, where it's like. I wish it had a little bit because in, in a sense it's ambitious, but it's also very working in conventions and really working in established Mario places where I don't know if I can necessarily love and say it's like a huge innovation for Mario. It's more like this is a very good game with some fun ideas and twists on the Mario formula, but still in that Mario formula. Like you mentioned Odyssey. I mean, I, I like Odyssey a lot more. And it's just because it feels like it really is doing a lot of different stuff for Mario that Mario wouldn't normally do. And this is doing a lot of stuff that Mario does, but then also like making it add an extra layer of wacky on top of it. Right. Um, and so I don't know if it goes the extra mile where I'm like, yeah, this is one of my favorites or this is like a nine or a 10 or something like that. Um, you know, and obviously I, I think I say it in the review too. I mean, my worst complaint is that I wish there was more of it or it went, it went further. So obviously it's not that bad of a problem to have. It's just when I think of a nine or a 10, it's like, this is one of my favorite games. And I don't know if wonder is necessarily on there. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I just, I don't know what, how much a 2d Mario game can, um, riff on itself. Yeah. <laughs> like over time, like, I don't, I don't know how far these games can go in terms of what, what they're designed to do like mario i mean mario odyssey uh clearly riffs off of mario 64 they just they in, add... in some ways i mean add, i mean it riffs off we'll get into a whole other discussion here on this but <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it's kind of like mixing mario 64 with like the galaxy 2 3d world stuff right i mean it's got that big open map and it's also like here's these small bite-sized levels and it's taken stuff from all over, but it kind of feels like its own thing and has its own like sequences of personality. Like when you go to a new Doc City, I mean, that's not something a Mario game would do. And under, and they give you like a reward for sitting on a bench with a lonely guy. I mean, it's like not something Mario <laughs> would do. Um, and they go, they, they're not afraid to like go out of these weird comfort zones in a way that feels fresh. It felt fresher to me than really anything Wonder necessarily does. Not that I don't. I mean, I like wonder, but, and I, I, and I realize I'm talking real vague stuff, but I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to when I'm talking about my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like, I don't know. I, I think it hits differently for me because the level, some of the level difficulty, you ain't going to find that level of difficulty in 95% of the new super Mario series. Like it returns to a level of difficulty in a lot of levels that, the new Super Mario franchise was just not willing to go for whatever reason. Um, yeah, and I appreciate yeah. that. Like, new, yeah, like I, Luigi U was was difficult in a way that I appreciated, but most of the other part of the franchise is like, eh, okay. like I've I've seen this, I've done this, I can predict this. All all uh, okay, yeah, that's fine. 
Yeah, the wonder is I, like, I, no, oh, it's like, oh, frick, this is some actually like some difficult platforming sequences in here that that have made me retry and made me lose some lives. I, all oh, right, I, I like that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. One wonder like kicks the crap out of New Super Mario Bros. Right? I mean, it just does. But I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about Mario as a whole, and what you know, and and one of the games I directly compare it to in my review is Mario Land Two. I, it's not the Game Boy the one. Golden Coins was good. Yeah, I like that. Well, and and it's not even my favorite game, but <laughs> um, that one but, is wacky. Yes. It, yeah, <laughs> and it, it's and if you read the developers' like interviews about it, they hate Mario. They don't want to work on Mario. They're the guys who invented Wario and started making games with him instead. And so they were yeah. specifically thinking about like how can we make the game we want and not really care so much about what Mario's doing and what is important for Mario. And you can feel that and like they're not stuck in the same paradigm that it kind of feels like the Mario Wonder team was, where it's like, yes, we're doing things different, but we're also kind of we have to be stuck in these certain Mario like restraints because that's what people want from a Mario game. And that's kind of that's the best way I could think of anyway to outline the difference of kind of what I would hope for in Mario in the future is like something that is really not even trying to be like a Mario necessarily, but still feels like Mario, which is like the worst criteria ever but <laughs> you know it's like something like a dumb executive would tell his like workers to do is like do do everything great but also not good at all but Well, this is the reason that I didn't get to talk about or get, didn't get to play Mario nearly as much. <laughs> and that is because Alan Wake 2 is finally out. Fun enough, five minutes ago, just went live everywhere. So Alan Wake 2 is officially out. Our review is officially out as of this morning. And that is Thursday, oh, uh, the, the day we're recording this, October yeah. 26th. Yeah, I am. Um, you sound I'm tired. Very ha- I'm very, <laughs> I am, <laughs> but I'm, I'm also very happy at the same time though, because I was, when the original came out, I worked that midnight release. I picked up the collective edition and my copy of red dead redemption. And I went home and proceeded to play Alan Wake and loved Alan Wake, uh, reviewed the remaster for us. I've been hoping for a very long time that we would see this game again. I remember Sam Lake putting out the video where he was having to tell everybody we're not going back to Alan Wake when they were moving forward to Quantum Break. And it actually like had him, you could tell it was hurting him to have to say all of that. And in our preview event, I actually brought that up, <laughs> the the video, and talked to him. And yeah, you I made the man of, cry. I feel bad because I actually made him cry uh, because he thankfully it was tears of joy <laughs> because he was just he just said that I asked him how he was feeling, you know, with the big Alan Wake 2 banner behind him. And he said it feels fantastic. And I'm just so happy to see this vision finally come to, to fruition. And it's almost I don't want to say it's a George Lucas thing in the sense of now the technology has caught up (laughs) because that's kind of almost where we're at in. We're so much further along now compared to what 
Alan Wake had to work with then. But it it works in the sense of he even said if he was working on this game then what would have come out would have been completely different than what we have now. And part of that is because, and I guess I'll say this right off the bat, is there's a lot of control in Alan Wake 2, and not necessarily in the way you're playing the game. You're talking about Remedies control, right? Remedies control, yes. Uh, It's not necessarily that as much as it's, This whole cross-connected world thing is very much from the very moment you step foot in Alan Wake 2 is there. You actually, as you are in, as you walk around Cauldron Lake, as you're investigating this ritual killing is the way it actually starts, and you're playing as Saga Anderson, as the FBI agent that's part of this, you can actually walk over to the side and you see this buzzer for a thing called the lake house that literally says it's part of the FBC on it. The so FBC it, being... the Federal Bureau of Control. Oh. So it is right away calling out the fact of this is the same world and I'm not going to spoil anything but man the FBC shows up in a big way and one of the DLCs that there are two DLCs that are coming. One of them is going to be based off Night Springs which is the TV show that was in the original game and supposedly you're going to be playing as multiple different characters. So it sounds like they're going to have a lot of fun with this. It's like a twilight zone kind of show. So I'm very excited to see how creative they're able to get with it. But the second one is actually called the lake house. So you will be exploring this federal bureau of control facility. So it's like, this is a very big part of how they're connecting these games right off the bat. Yeah, I thought I saw something about a Remedy multiverse type of thing. So this is real. That is, in fact, happening. And given they are working on Control 2, I would not be surprised at all if some of the implications of what happens in this game and in the DLC that's coming shows up in Control 2. Like, that they're going to find ways to tie things together. I mean, the for those that have played Control and Alan Wake, the, the whole taken over characters the taken the hiss very very similar i'm not saying they're the same thing and there's nothing that ever makes me think they are the same thing because i don't even think the federal bureau of control thinks they are but it's at least really similar in in different ways and i wouldn't be surprised if they find some ways to tie these together just just in a in their own way so does, it, does Max really Payne cool. show up in a post credits scene? Like, <laughs> unfortunately, they did say that Quantum Break and Max Payne are not part of this connected universe. Yeah, for now. So <laughs> they will have their own universes. <laughs> so Max Max Payne does technically show up if you count the fact that Sam Lake plays one of the main characters does because he, do he the is base or like. Uh, <laughs> There, there is a moment that it shows up. I do not want to spoil where it is and how it happens, but man, it is. I was just, it's the face, it's the face. I was doing that. I, I was definitely like just giddy watching all of it happen. Um, <laughs> so that I, I've kind of gone completely off the rails with where we started <laughs> I because I started I with some. No, I started with something that literally is like a huge part of the game, but it's not even technically 
based in <laughs> the that's game what, that's that it the is. Exciting part, like you, you, so, you have seen the yes. fullness of Alan yes. Wake too, and it's exciting. Well, and it was cool because at this at this preview event we went to, uh, they actually had Janine Gavankar there, like so. Aiden Versio from Battlefront, she's playing this character, uh, one of the FBC agents, Kieran Estevez, I believe is the name. And the very, they showed us a really quick clip of a cutscene. And the first thing I thought was, is this a post credit? Is this going to be like towards the end? How in the world is this going to be a part of this? Is, is the FBC really going to be a big part of this game? And that's probably the coolest thing is the clip we saw was midway through the game. Like, so it, the fact that at the very beginning, you're already establishing this agency here. And then midway through the game, this agent shows up and there's a whole lot that goes on again, not going to spoil anything. And I'm going to be very spoiler free in what I talk about story wise, which is tough because my goodness story is literally what this game is. Yeah, <laughs> but the fact that they're able to take that and really connect this, uh, there's not a lot of games that have done connected universes in the way that Remedy is doing it. I don't in think the there's sense, any. if any, because there's games that are obviously connected, but it's just straight sequels. Like well, it's we're not, not. We're not talking like superhero yeah, games. Yeah, that we're. Right this is this is full on like. No, different world. Totally different yeah. area, like spots. Like they're in the same universe, but they're not. They're 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 not the same game at all, right? <laughs> so it's just it's really cool to see this happening, and you have to have a good writing crew. And Sam Lake's one of the best writers out there for video games, and all the people, the writers at Remedy are fantastic because even with all of this going on, they're managing to not only balance that but this dual narrative, and that's one of the coolest things that you see in Alan Wake is you actually have two separate campaigns that feel connected enough that it you're not you're not sitting there upset because oh I'm playing this campaign I'm playing this campaign it's this should have been two different games like I'm happy playing these side by side and sagas it's more the regular Alan Wake the original Alan Wake kind of experience in the sense of What's really shining cool is you some people. Yes, you're, both <laughs> sides you will be shining flashlights. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but the cool thing with Saga's side is it, it's a really good jumping off point, considering that this game is 13 years later. There's going to be people who did not pick up the remaster, did not play the original, and Saga is inserted into the story as this person who doesn't know anything about this. So it's it's almost this this perfect idea of well, you're the main player and you're getting inserted into this with possibly not knowing anything about it. So we have a character in here that's going to kind of catch you up a little bit. And it's not a perfect catch you up on it at all it, because there's a lot that you're finding out and you're, you're not learning necessarily about the, the first game as much as you're learning about what's going on right now. But it feels like a good point of entry even without it. I still think you should play the original before you play this one, but I, it's easier to handle because of the way that they have put Saga into this. And her her side is interesting in the sense that she carries herself a lot more confidently than Alan did. 
Alan was obviously a panicky writer who probably hadn't really held a gun in his life. <laughs> Whereas this is a FBI agent that, yes, she doesn't know what's going on, but she definitely feels way more prepared than Alan did in that she's like, there's one point where, you know, she exclaims because all of a sudden this one of the creatures zips around a corner at one point uh, just in front of you. And she exclaims, she, she drops an obscenity, but then immediately goes and like when she hears it moving around again, she goes FBI. <laughs> like she's immediately like going through protocol and everything and is readying herself for, for encounter the encounter. So it's cool to see her here in this way that she's a lot more confident, but they even find ways in the way that this story happens that, that she, you manage, they manage to make her still human in it. And you see her insecurities, her, the things that are happening in all of this that she feels responsible for with trying to, to fix the situation, to solve the mystery. And, Part of that solving the mystery, uh, I don't know how much you've watched of what we've talked about, Jack, or, or what you've seen, but there's this area called the mind place that she has that is this sort of, in, it's an interactive room that functions almost like a menu, and okay. you've got this, this case board that's on the wall that you'll go up to, and as you're talking with people, as you are playing through the game, you'll collect clues which you will then stick on this wall and you'll have to associate them with different things. Now it's not one of those things where you have to do it or you're hard locked. Like there are some times that I actually went into it and I had already figured out where to go. So she was just like, Oh, this goes here. <laughs> and just was, it was automatically getting thrown up there. But there are sometimes you're having to go into this, this mind place and put things together. So you have the interactions to move forward. Like for instance, Go ahead. Sorry, so just to clarify it. Yeah. Because I haven't followed I haven't followed like a ton of this stuff. So it was the idea like this game has kind of like an open structure where you can get lost and you have to kind of like piece together where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. To a degree, yes. Mostly there are like there are some areas where you're kind of the only way through is forward. But there are a lot of open levels like for Saga specifically. You have three main locations. You have Cauldron Lake, Bright Falls, and Watery, which is a town outside of it. And all of those, for the most part, are pretty fully explorable. Not this huge open world, but a pretty good-sized open area. So there are some things that you can find as you go along. Not necessarily narratively, but some different side things that you can discover that'll help you with some upgrades and obviously items. Uh, things like that. Whereas there are some spots that are story walled. Like for instance, one of the first things you do when you go to water, you have to speak with these bikers that own the trailer park. And they're of course standing in front of the path to get around <laughs> and you can't walk past them. So you actually have to engage them and talk with them to not only push the story forward in the mind place, but that will also give you the ability to they, they will step out of the way because then you've got the dialogue to talk to them next. Uh, some of that is done with profiling, which it has a story specific piece to it, but it's not this thing where you 
I'm trying to think of the best way to put it across. It, it's kind of like you you go to the person's picture, you click on an index card that has like a question or a statement of something, and then Saga is kind of intuiting things about them that that gives you dialogue, for instance, to talk to them and such. So it's it is clicking through menus to a degree, but it's kind of it's nice exposition. You get to learn some things. And again, it there's actually a story centric reason that she's able to intuit these things <laughs> uh, through this profiling. And, and it's really cool how they tie that together with the rest of the game. So it is it's a major plot point, even if it isn't necessarily this end all be all mechanic in, in terms of, oh, this is so innovative compared to everything else. So is that just for the new character and not for Alan? So is he like different or? So what's cool is that's for Saga. Alan actually has um, a, a similar thing in the writer's room. So it's a very similar area in design. And one of the interesting things, it is actually running over the top of the game. So it's it's one of those things where if you hit go into that, you are not paused. It, it is not stopping everything else going on in your area. So it's kind of a... To me, it's a bit of a technical marvel that they have this running, especially as how good as the game looks, because it really is like you can access it instantly. Like it, you press the button, you're there. So there's no loading times, meaning that it has to be just running. <laughs> and you jump into it. And for Alan, the difference with him is instead of profiling and case boards, because he's in the dark place, he is actually trying to get out. And of course, for people who know Scratch, his doppelganger is also trying to get out. He's trying to stop Scratch. And he's like, Scratch keeps changing my book. He, like, I've written this. It's another one of those instances where Alan's written a book when he doesn't remember. <laughs> and he's like, and Scratch is like editing this book so he can get out. And he's like, so I have to go and write another, another thing and do more edits. <laughs> so that I can get out before he does and keep him from getting out. And so Alan is going to these, he, he's almost like he's writing this new story to get him to this point where he can do these edits. And that is taking place in the dark place where there's these mysteries that are, that are happening around him. And I, I forget how exactly it's described at the very beginning. It's like the story the story is very meta and then it's it's a story about Alan who's going around following these mystery this mystery by Alex Casey who is his character in the books and he's trying to find a way out like the story is about him trying to get out <laughs> so it's this meta kind of feel weirdness to it and Alan gets to these places in the story and he's essentially trying to build himself loopholes through it by changing the way that the in solving this story and the cool thing is is when you get to these different sections these different scenes like there's there's a place for instance called that's the ballroom that's in one of the parts of Alan Wake and it'll it'll say specifically at the bottom what the scene is like that that you're okay you are in the scene of the ballroom well when you're there you can actually change what the plot is so when you get there, there's no plot assigned, 
but you could change over to, let's say I just completed one story element in the rehearsal space and it gave me this new plot point, let's just say the haunting, and I go up and I put that plot point in place at the ballroom, the room will change. And again, another technical Marvel kind of thing because there's just this little tiny scene that plays out over the top of your current scene that this overlay of Alan typing away and all of a sudden, boom, you're in this different space. And like with this one, it was like this nice setup theater and all of a sudden, all the chairs were thrown across the room and I think there may have been blood on the floor and there was Alan's writer's desk is up above and then there's a new echo or a new story beat for me to look at and go through the cutscene, fight some characters and suddenly I've got a new scene that I can go take to another area that I might have already... I, a lot of the scenes I had already discovered, it was needing to go back to some areas, backtrack a bit, almost Metroidvania it a little bit and change the plot going on in those scenes so that I could move the story forward. And it's so just really these, cool the way they've gone about this. Are these like, so the, you know, you say it's like Metroid. So are these like keys you put in different places or are they like puzzle things where you can like put the same piece in a bunch of different places? So they do have different, they do have different keys to unlock different rooms as you go around. But there are two different ways that you're doing, that you're making these changes. And one is it just showed on the screen. It's the angel lamp where you'll remove like a light. You'll get a prompt for it. You remove light from a certain area and it will actually change the area like completely. Uh, Anthony, will you scroll it back just a little bit so so Jack can actually see it real quick on the screen? Uh, it's before the crawling right here so there's this okay go back just a little bit more again if you wouldn't mind sorry <laughs> it happens real close to the front of this so alan comes up these stairs and there's this prompt so everything looks pretty regular and everything like that there's no way forward boom scene Hello. just changed so <laughs> now i can move over to that now the difference with the other scene change is you are choosing the element okay of the scene change so the room is going to look one way when you go to this, when you go to it just naturally. But then as you put these these new story beats, these new plot points, when you put those over the top of it, it changes the way that the room is even laid out. And that either opens up the way for you to usually it's just that it opens up. Sometimes it opens up a new way forward in terms of the level layout. And but most of the time it's that you get an echo, which is essentially a, a overlay cutscene, so that you can get the next plot point so that you can take that. And it doesn't always matter. That plot point doesn't always matter where you're at, because, for instance, I did. I as I described changing over to the haunted cutscene, I got a new cutscene called the devil and I swapped that in. And suddenly not only is the room have all the chairs strewn around in this ballroom and you know, the, the blood and stuff in my writer's desk, but you also had dead NPCs like everywhere all over the place. And then there was actually like blood writing all over the walls and such. Like it was just really more intense, but the scene itself, while the scene changed, it didn't have anything new for me. So I needed to take that plot point of the devil and take it to a different area 
of the hotel that I was okay. in to actually pers- push the story forward. Like, and, and so I took that to the hotel lobby that that the devil plot point to the lobby and it actually opened up the stairs so that I could go up the stairs for instance so it's it's really really just just a cool way to tell your narrative and while still doing this whole metro like the same thing happened in control like it was very similar in the ways of you had to go back to areas with different powers and stuff this you're going back to nar- different areas with new narrative to apply to that area, which changes the area. And it's just, it's a really cool way for you to use your tech and, and, and change the way that that is. Now I have to ask you, yeah. you're a call of duty guy. You know how to shoot stuff. You play with a controller. It seems like you're having a little trouble shooting some of these, uh, whatever the shadow creature thing. I haven't played out of week, so I apologize. But <laughs> these little shadow things, uh, that don't seem to move in very, uh, interesting ways until they decide to do some little warpy stuff. Oh, so, dude, what, the warp it though. How, that's how creepy too. So uh, I will, I will go ahead and say not all of this is my gameplay. Some of it is uh B B roll. Oh, okay. <laughs> so not everything is, I, I actually, if you go and look at the preview, cause this is, this is actually footage from some of the preview that I posted oh, this on is YouTube. From the preview. Okay. So, yeah, so, yes. 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 So, cause it is, cause it is a uh, part of the, yeah, it's part of the game. It's, I still played this part like during review. It was just sure, like, yeah. Oh, I've already got this. Um, but I didn't realize <laughs> it was the preview for it. Cause I was like, which, yeah, Oh, you're, you're familiar. fine. Which Jack, this right here is the plot board. Like this okay. is how you literally go in here and change the, and then this is what happens to boom. <laughs> okay. Um, but it, I, what's funny is I got several compliments on the fact that I could actually shoot people where in other preview videos they had watched people were missing all over the place. Uh, I am smart enough (laughs) when it comes to, when it comes to call of duty, I'm smart enough to know if I'm using a controller, I might as well use aim assist, uh, or take advantage of the aim assist. And that comes into play here because I learned very quickly from the beginning of playing it that. You know, you're going to because it's the survival horror style, you're going to empty a couple bullets and none of them really feel like sponges, but you're going to put in your bullets, whether you like it or not. Um, I figured out that if I keep doing the amen, keep ADSing, (laughs) that a lot of times it would just zoom into the head (laughs) if I was aiming in that area. So, fam, I was I was ADSing multiple times and just hitting them occasionally. Like you said, that warp or they would do this a movement and I would lose it uh, right there. You see the new plot element that I got, Jack, in that bottom corner. Um, and then it'll change and the room will look different again. OK, that's cool. <laughs> yes. Um, but <laughs> I, I was. I was getting the better of a lot of these creatures. The game is not inherently difficult. Probably the biggest thing is just the you you got to remember to burn away the darkness. <laughs> You've got to make sure that you are that, which is, it, to me is still one of the coolest mechanics in one of these games in in a survive survival horror whatever you want to call it game is just the fact that you're having to use this flashlight to burn away the darkness the shield the shield so to speak first and then you get to actually shoot them like you can't do any damage to them otherwise 
So to, to me, I think that's just one of the by far coolest mechanics that that's that's out there. It's just a very unique feeling that it has, and, and the audio cues for it are just awesome. Like there's just this whine as you burn that darkness away <laughs> with a very satisfying like sound when it expels the darkness from the from the enemy, and then you just you just shoot them. And uh, I said it during our preview. There's nothing like the gun sounds of gunshots in this game the service pistol sounds fantastic alan wake's revolver sounds amazing the shotgun man you you feel all of it in your chest it's like i'm shoot i'm shooting a gun <laughs> it there is there is just an explosiveness to every single one of the weapons and it can kind of trick you to a bit because you don't get a lot of you don't get these audio cues of i'm actually getting my hits in <laughs> Because, I mean, it's not like when you shoot a gun in real life, you get audio hits for your hitting the person <laughs> beyond the audio cues of they've been hit and they're making noise of being hit. Ow, but, I've been hit. Yeah, but these are yeah. kind of almost undead characters to a degree. So it's like when you're shooting, you're just you're hearing it. if you want to unmute it right here so you can hear some of it. It's just it just sounds great. As you can see here, I'm a good survival horror player and I'm cheesing the safe room. Can't go in there. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's something fun that Alan Wake did, uh, Alan Wake 2 did, that I didn't expect because of what I did in this demo. Obviously, I'm cheesing this safe room. There are like these lights out in, like, pole lights that are out and about when you are on Saga's side. And I was playing all of that. I was doing all of this. I sat in there and cheesed it one time. And suddenly the pole light went out. <laughs> it flickered and went out. And I'm like, crap. And I started running away. Because what it is, is it's not that they can't just, just can't come in. It's not just that. They actually cannot see you. The light abscond like they cannot see you through the light so you get you can actually you're actually hiding in the light that's that's what, which is really cool but the fact that Re remedy thought to hey let's make this so that it's not an every time thing i know that was kind of something the resident evil 2 i think remake did was crap nemesis can sometimes come into the safe room yeah yeah <laughs> and no, that broke fine. the convic the convention for people, but, it's similar in that feel. Yeah, no, that's one of the big things. Like, it's in the very first Resident Evils, you know, you have that loading animation with the door. And so, like, whenever you go through a door, you're going through a separate dimension. And then the first, like, remake of the Resident Evil, like, oh, zombies can just go through doors now. <laughs> and so, it's, it's, it's fun. Like, when, I, when I'm looking at this gameplay footage, too, I mean, so does this feel a lot more? Because Alan Wake. It had horror stuff, and but I don't know if I would classify it like a survival horror game, right? You're, you're mostly like running around, trying the flashlight, and people throwing stuff at them. But um, this this is how, like you have like an inventory and stuff, and all that stuff you keep track of in survival horror games. Is it like is it like a big part of the it, game, or is it? It's very Resident Evil in in design uh, because not only so so the first game had a lot of recharging and of things uh if you went in the light your health your health recharged 
if you your flashlight automatically recharged whether you had batteries or not it was you use those batteries just to get the quick re-up of your flashlight and didn't have to wait for it in alan wake 2 there are health items and that is the only way you can recharge your health there's some that happens when you get into these safe havens but it's very minor comparatively to what alan wake the original alan wake did and similarly you actually can run out of your flashlight there are multiple charges in this game for your flashlight like each one uh, you start with four for each battery meaning i have to think about using my charges and can't just go crazy with it because some of these creatures do move around a lot and if i am not hitting them correctly i might miss burning the darkness off of them completely and it does feel like you you can take some really tough hits and you have again you have to think about it and they they've remedy has also just gone in a much more i'm trying to think of the best way to put it but it, it's much more of a horror direction even just in story because the original alan wake it was more of the suspenseful thriller like like i said they classified it as a psychological thriller but in this one with yeah. the ritual killings that they have the way that they've presented everything like there are some parts i mean they're just very frightening i wouldn't say that there are a ton of intensely terrifying moments because i feel like the game does a really good job of presenting you with some i don't want to say like there's some there is some funny elements to it some humor that they have in there and there are some i there are some things that i wish i could spoil because they are just I, there are some tone shifts and remedy's always been that for tone shifts where it's just like where did that come from what the heck just happened and that happens so many times and remedy keeps getting away with completely changing the tone of something but it's perfect and i don't care that they're getting away with it go ahead you are making the weirdest things <laughs> Which is one of the reasons a lot of people compare them to compare a lot of what they had to like Twin Peaks and, and why the game is kind of, you know, has those relations to it is because Twin Peaks was just it was it wasn't that it was necessarily just frightening or horror. It was that it was weird, too. So, yeah, well, and, and when I see this, do like, that well, has anyone else watched Twin Peaks or is it just me? Uh, I, I haven't watched it. Uh, I know okay. I know about it. I just haven't watched it. Yeah. Well, I, haven't watched I, mean, it. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Well, it's like the TV series and then there's a movie and then they brought it back for like some sequel TV series. I mean, when I see this compared to, you know, the first game, the TV series is kind of, you know, it's it's got some fun, lighthearted stuff in it. Like everyone always calls the stuff that the secret agent does with his coffee and stuff like it, it's fun it's kooky but it also has a few moments of terrifying stuff and that's kind of how yeah. the first alan wake is but the movie was like it was like actually it was kind of like a sick and disturbing version of that tv show and that that's kind of what I, the vibe i get from alan wake too is that they're going a lot harder on the, the more disturbing stuff well, there are there are moments on it but i guess the easiest thing that and this is how I actually put it in the review it isn't ever gruesome for just for the sake of being gruesome like that's something that I appreciate about what they've done they're intelligent about how they're putting this out like how they're doing they're not looking for cheap scares in, in how they're doing it and that's why I enjoy it 
because like I said there are probably two moments. This is one of the moments uh, where the, the hotel moment is is can be very terrifying with the way that they've built it. And there's another level on Saga's side that is that is quite terrifying. <laughs> it, it it was the most terrifying for me in the game. Like I actually had my headset on right here <laughs> because I was just so it was it was a lot more intense, but. There, those were the two moments that were the most intense. Whereas everything else, yes, there were creepy moments and such, but they weren't. It wasn't like Remedy was just sitting there trying to go boo around every corner, if that makes sense. And that I like that because they're they're allowing me to not just focus on being afraid. They're allowing me to to actually ingest what is going on around me. And, and that doesn't always happen in horror games, and that that's what that's what at least in my mind are the probably what the best horror game. I'm not a big horror game guy, so you, it might be different for different people. But I feel like those are the best horror games are the ones that actually want their players to ingest things. Because if I'm just constantly being scared, I'm not actually immersed in what's going on on the screen. Usually, <laughs> this it's like I, I'm actually engaging in what's going on and it's like oh that's that's creepy <laughs> what you're doing with this that that's that's horrifying what's actually happening here because i had the chance to engage with it and it be horrifying for the engagement not necessarily horrifying because oh crap this this thing screamed and jumped in front of me <laughs> God, yeah remedy just i mean they, they write their games with like a, a sense of like mystique that kind of draws you and helps you like kind of put yourself in your their situation a little bit where you can kind of imagine things. I mean, Alan Wake, he's a writer. Obviously, nothing's scarier than being a writer, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> we uh, would know that. <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, they, yeah, I mean, it's the, every, the way they write the games, it feels like there's something more engaging going on than just, like, the surface, no matter what they're doing. And so, yeah, I yep. mean, I, I absolutely believe that. And, I mean, I'm looking forward to playing it. Hopefully, <laughs> I can do it sometime soon. Yep. There's there's a lot that happens with that with the I know I started discussing it on the dual characters thing, but they like there is a lot of points where you're like, what are you setting up? Like, I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan films and like the prestige and inception are, are favorites, partially because you watch these movies and you're like, what the heck is going on? Not because the story isn't being told well, but because you, you, there's so much information that is left out intentionally, and they're giving you just they're they're baiting you just enough to keep you engaged in it. And Remedy does this really, really well, and, and to the point where there are some points in missions where you're like. I just don't know if this is going to pay off. Like you straight up, you're like, this is convoluted. I don't know. I'm not sure. But man, I got to the the end game of this game and there were so much payoff in so many moments and down to the last scene in the game. You're like, oh my, this is what was happening. This is what was being said. This is what was going on. <laughs> and you just sit there with your just mind blown of, okay, I've got to sit back and digest what just happened. Similar again to watching Inception, watching <laughs> the Prestige, and they uh, 
Remedy does manage to have one of those moments at the end of this game, like Inception, where Bro spins the top, and you never see what happens to the top, <laughs> and you're like, just tell me, <laughs> and and they they do that in in this game, so I. I I'm kind of excited that they feel so confident that they're going to be able to follow up on this because I don't know that you can follow up on these specific story threads in the DLC or in Control. Like, I, I think that a lot of these story threads will have to be in an Alan Wake 3. So, <laughs> and, well, as critically acclaimed as it is, I think they're going to get it. <laughs> that would be That would be great. I mean... Yeah, I, Alan Wake was one of those one games where you play it and you can just tell this is just like a fun and special kind of game where there isn't really anything else like it. And it always kind of felt, you know, when Sam Wake was giving his like, you you have a terminal disease speech about the game. It's like, yeah, it's just not going to happen. It's just not the kind of game that will get a follow up in a decade. And to see it happen is great. And that they're confident that there's going to be more. It's I mean, that's that's really cool because the the whole building up the the remedy verse or whatever. I mean, that, that's yeah. fun, <laughs> and especially for something like this where it's not like really big superhero properties or like some major thing. It's like these are like the ideas they've had sitting around forever, and they're just kind of like putting them out into the world, and it's cool. Yeah, and they're doing it with a great cast too. I mean, the 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 characters are all fantastic. Uh, I think it's Ilka Vili and Matthew Peretta are Alan. They both play Alan. One is the the, the character and one is the voice. Uh, he's phenom- He was phenomenal in the first game. <laughs> so he's phenomenal in this game. And then you have James McCaffrey voicing Sam Lake's Alex Casey, which it's so great seeing sam in this game like it's and it's not just this quick character thing he's he's very in this game like i there's one part that's just i i just blew me away that i won't spoil but it's a just the the way that they're woven into this game melanie libert libert i don't know how you pronounce it but her saga is is very heartfelt very very well played and, you know, the cool thing is, is they're doing all of this and they mixed in all these live action scenes into the game. So you get those couple of quantum break like moments of cut scene where it's actual the actual scene playing out in front of you. But this time it's a lot more melded and mixed in to the game. So I, I like that. That's that's better than sitting there and having to watch a 45 minute TV episode <laughs> as much as I thought that was a really cool idea in quantum break. I, I don't know that it functions well for every gamer. So it works well here, especially considering the characters are really well designed. The, the, the game is gorgeous. I mean, we, we just watched quite a bit of it, which I, I threw the saga gameplay down there as well. Anthony, if, if you want to play that um, and it's just, like they've done such a good job of just making this game look good that it can meld that way. And the echoes that you saw in the game, those are a lot of the times those are the open those are the live action moments with just, just more shadowy. So it's it's really cool how they've managed to meld real life and a video game 
and, and really make it so personable with with this cast of characters. <clears throat> Saga, I, I feel like we haven't talked a lot about her, but again, she's just she's just a, such a well done character. It it could have been this game could have been very questionable in the choice to make another character a lead character but the way the way that they bring her into all of this the way that they actually tie her into the story is just so wonderfully well done like i'm very very happy with how they put this together this right here jack you'll see this is the profiling i was talking about where she's intuiting this stuff about about the the characters that she's talking to um it's her her place in all of this is just it's going to be very interesting to watch as they continue on with the story because she is she is now interwoven into this into this entire remedy verse like she, she you are going to it'll be very interesting to see how they continue to use her and figure out how they want to move forward with her character because some of the most interesting parts was just some of the people in Bright Falls were talking about her like they knew her, and it was because the Dark Presence was taking the story from Mr. Scratch, and it was starting to leak out into the world, and she's like, okay, things are changing. People are acting like they know me, but they've never actually known. I've never been here before and all this. Again, it's that weird thing of people talking, hey, Saga. She's like, do I know you? (laughs) So it's just, it's how the players, it's kind of how the players feel. Like I mentioned earlier, the the players that haven't played this series before that are just now jumping in. Hi, new player. (laughs) Do I know you, Alan Wake (laughs) 2? And it's just, it's just really well done. You know, good on your remedy. You continued making an incredible narrative that, I knew you could, but needed to see you do with this game. <laughs> All right. So what did you rate it? I gave Alan Wake to a 90 out of a hundred. Uh, I, I think it's well deserving of it. My biggest problems I had were technical issues, to be honest with you. Like, honestly, it, 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 it is the, one of the first, th- the first thing I say in the summer is there's nothing you will play this year. Like Alan Wake two. it, it, maybe until Alan Wake 3 before you play another thing like Alan Wake 2 because th- th- there's nobody that has done something like this like not only is this pressing at the not only is it this at the, at the precipice of what current gaming is able to do with the lighting with just the environments being so well put together it's just a very gorgeous game the settings that they're putting together the technical advancements of uh, again the dark play or the, not the dark place the the this this pause menu running over the top essentially that's not a pause menu it's actually like a piece of the game but then just the fact that they're able to do this with this with a dual narrative that is just one of the that is just a phenomenal narrative and and they tie it all together perfectly in the end it's just it's it's a triumph of a return and you few games get a chance not every game gets a chance to make a sequel <laughs> in general not every game gets a chance to make a good sequel right away <laughs> alan wake did it 13 years later 
that's just that's almost unheard of and I'm just glad to see that they're getting a chance and they're even able to use some of what they've already learned and what they've already done in control and make this narrative even more bombastic than it already is. <laughs> City Skylines. Uh, yeah, so it came out, but I think this is one of the more bizarre takes I've heard from a developer when it comes to performance issues. So City Skylines 2 came out, and its performance on PC across the board isn't consistent. So rightfully so. People are they're, they're, they're complaining. They're upset. Uh, let me remove this wheel. Pretty sure. I don't uh, remember if Ron, Ron did a review in progress or how he did things, but he even said it's very like he that's one. of He actually had a conversation with me on if it should be a review in progress or a score because oh, wow. of how bad the performance was for him. Wow, that's that's some level of confliction when the editor in chief goes to the lead editor and goes, I need a second opinion <laughs> on yep. this. So just know, people, it's that bad. <laughs> yeah, and I just downloaded it today too because I was so excited. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a see how it is through the Game Pass app. Probably not any uh, better. But uh, here's what Colossal Order, the developers of City Skylines, to uh, here's what they said, and I'm going to read from their official post on their forums. Okay, so quote: While some setups on PC have challenges, we concluded the performance is not a deal breaker for all all the players. For us, the number one priority is for the players to have fun with the game, and we had seen enough feedback from players enjoying the game that it would be more unfair to postpone. We know we will keep working on the game and do our best to fix issues as fast as possible, so we wanted to respect the announced release date and allow people to start playing the game. End quote. Now, real quick, I can already see Jack bubbling, so let me, let me just say this. They have technical reasons for doing this. Mostly, they want to smooth the simulations. They don't want the CPU to be bottlenecked. So their target is 30 frames per second, but it's not even reaching that for what seems like a lot of people. Okay, go ahead, Jack. I can see you moving. Well, I mean, it's a fun spin. <laughs> you know, It feels I mean, like spin. What is Finn, right? I mean, we released an incomplete game, and actually, it's so fun that we just we couldn't help ourselves. We have to get in everyone's hands, and we'll fix it later. Which, I mean, to be fair, that's how a lot of games are now, right? I mean, they they release a bunch of problems, and they're like, "We'll fix it later." And then most of the times, they fix most of it, right? I mean, and you know, just it, it speaks to a lot of the problems that come with game releases right now and just how it structures that there's no real flexibility for it right like everyone plans out these big budget games and i mean really any kind of any kind of game these days is a big financial gamble where you can't really push it back because if you do it's going to be a big chaos for everyone because they're betting so much money on getting a return back at the state and it's just not very flexible and so they released it because they needed the money Right. I mean, that's just that's just what it is. But um, and maybe they'll funnel it back and it'll be fine in the end. Sure. But I mean, it's kind of gross to get statements like this. Right. Where actually it's like putting in the hands of like their their player base or their fans and be like, 
actually, this is your fault because you you guys just need it and you're going to accept it and that's fine. And I don't know. It's it's a little gross, right? <laughs> is this a do you, so? Is this a do you think this is a colossal order uh, decision or a paradox interactive decision? Whoever's a higher, I don't know the company. So whoever's higher up is like, you know, we need we need this out now. And paradox, paradox is the publisher. Yeah, it's probably the publisher. Then they're like, you know, we need we need this out now. We need the money, and then you know we've got our DLC Called team. Fam, we're done developing. <laughs> well, and this it just just happens all the time. Like they just released that Metal Gear collection, and like has stuff that like obviously doesn't work at launch. And like these are like super old games, man. Like. Why are you launching this super old game collection with like missing features and stuff? I mean, who's re- what, what? What kind of deadline are you trying to meet for twenty plus year old game re-releases where you can't like just get it all done and then just have it out? Like, why is this an ongoing project? We're <laughs> um, talking about City Skylines too. I, 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 I know right? like, it's this isn't like it, a big budget AAA game, so I don't understand. Like, I agree with you. I one hundred percent agree with you. The fact that I don't, why, you could delay this. If this is going to be something that could probably be fixed within the next week or two, then delay the game. If it's going to take longer, delay the game. Just This is one of those, you just delay the game, and their excuse is, it's unfair to the people who have been waiting, so we don't want to ruin their fun. You're ruining other people's fun right now because they, they're not enjoying the game because there's a performance issue. Our editor-in-chief can't even properly review the game because the performance is so poor, so he wants to do a potential review in progress. You can't... You can make all the decisions you want in terms of who you want to alienate, but you can't You're, say, you're alienating everyone with that decision because... Let me just put it to to word here. If I picked up Alan Wake 2 and had those kind of issues, I would be so disappointed. Like, I, I legitimately would be just, I would be crestfallen. And I know it's not the same kind of game, but to say, oh, we want our fans to be able to play. They don't want to play it if it's garbage. <laughs> Well, according well, to them, they got data that does suggest they don't care about the performance. Which it's on Game Pass, so if you're not paying the full price for it, of course you're not going to care. Well, and, and here's the worst part: is I, I I believe that to an extent because that's how Pokemon operates, right? <laughs> you know, they they release these broken games they cobble together in like a year, and they do it because there's no time, and it's like, well, people are going to buy millions of copies, and that's just going to be how it is. Yeah, and, City Skylines ain't got the cachet as Pokemon. Like City Skylines well, is fantastic. The first one was fantastic. I'm not even a city simulator kind of person, but I played that and I was like, I love the freak out of this. I can't wait for the second one. I don't think these kind of especially PC players, their patience is so fickle. Their 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 allegiance can they're uh, they're allied, but as soon as you screw them, they they are not <laughs> going to well, be happy. They're going well, to and, stress their de- displeasure and and here's the the caveat is i can believe what they're saying to an extent because i can believe they have some kind of department of people who are like we're collecting all this data and we're gonna decide this is right and that this we can get away with this and they can be totally wrong but they'll do it based on that data that that happens that happens all the time (laughs) yeah absolutely the the idea that they you know the the 
They have the data to back up their their lame excuse. Yes, of course. People people uh, make calls on analytics all the time. Oh yeah. Now, how do you think Xbox feels? This gets on Game Pass. They know this is a game people want to play. This is this is one of those why you subscribe to Game Pass cuz freaking City Skylines 2 is on there. Like this is a niche therefore new subscribers for Game Pass. And then it releases like this. Obviously, it's not like Xbox can be like, shame on you, considering how Redfall came out. But still, like, oh, knowing Xbox the trajectory no Xbox is trying to go, <laughs> I can only imagine how they feel. They have no shame. <laughs> They'll roll with it. It's fine. They rolled with Redfall. They roll with all the stuff. I mean, that I don't. I don't know. The well, Redfall was theirs. I don't know yeah. if they're approaching it from Paradox or Colossal Order. They'll, going, they'll be yeah. like, we'll, we'll, we'll give you ne- less Game Pass money next time, but we're cutting back on Game Pass money for everyone. So <laughs> I, was... <laughs> I guess we'll see. Uh, well, I guess the subscri- subscriber count will tell all for for but that. Then, I, I saw something where it's like, maybe it was just like some, because like, they have like an executive guy and they're like taking away Game Pass subscription numbers from him because they're not high enough to actually put I don't, all this, all the weird trajectory, you know, stuff and metrics they use from Xbox. I mean, it's just we're talking about analytics departments. It's like an entire company run by weird analytics departments. <laughs> um, and I don't know. It, it's strange to me, but no, I don't think Xbox have any, has any shame. <laughs> You know the King Kong game we talked about last week, and I'm mostly talking to the audience right now, <laughs> but the King Kong game that everybody's Donkey God. Okay, now we know, David, Jack, we know why this game is so bad. Okay, we knew there was a reason, but now we actually know the reason. So a developer anonymously talked to Ash Parrish from The Verge and told her that they had one year to get the job done. It was basically from June 2nd, 2022 to June 2nd, 2023. Isn't that crazy? One year for a license game? I, to me, I don't I don't think it matters how old Kong is. Who is interested in King Kong at this point? But you can't do that to any developer for any game. This, this particular size. Am, am I off on that? Well, I mean, I think it's complicated, right? Because this used to be how games worked all the time, like 20 years ago. I mean, they, they just throw crap together for licensed things and just put it out. I mean, that's just how entire development teams worked. Um, and obviously, you look at this game. I mean, like you said, who cares about King Kong, right? Like, who, 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 who cares even remotely about that? How much money are you going to really allocate in terms of dev time for a King Kong project, right? So the, you know the way these these things work, right? Um, they hire out different contract studios and get where they agree. You know we're gonna get this done within this time frame, and you know we put together a crappy King Kong game. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, in a sense, you're setting them up for failure. But at the same time, how long are you really gonna spend on a King Kong game, right? Like, well, then you call into question I, why you even make the game in the first place. Like, why well, are you? 
trying to make this King Kong game when there is no audience for this? Well, because I don't know if necessarily the goal Especially is to make money. <laughs> I, I, I think the goal might be to perpetuate what did you say david because your mic was super low sorry jack oh, i'm sorry especially at 50 dollars. <laughs> oh yeah okay go ahead jack so a lot of times you know like you see it all the time with netflix or like all those big companies that they'll commission a lot of garbage and obviously they're not making streaming doesn't make people money whatsoever in in general but like obviously these smaller shows and smaller movies don't make any money either there's there's outside like money changing hands and like investing in other things that justifies projects like this sometimes where it kind of keeps the wheels turning in various different places. And obviously I don't know the finances behind King Kong, but I mean, obviously I feel bad for developers because I, I, I read the story. I mean, it, it sounds like they had a real bad time. At the same time, you kind of wonder like, isn't it better to like spend one year on a crappy license game instead of like, six or seven like are happening to some of these projects like suicide squad's not gonna go well right i mean that's just well, I, not... mean, I, I think it depends on the game i don't i don't think iguanabe would make something iguanabe is the developer no no but but like put yourself in this situation right you know you're the game developer it doesn't really necessarily matter what kind of game you're working on you have one you work on a game for one year and that's that's your project and that's that's it and you're done Versus whatever kind of you know hellscape is going on at Rocksteady with the Suicide Squad game, where you're spending like six, seven years of your life on this, and everyone's already kind of decided it's not going to turn out good, and you have no choice, and you're locked into it. I mean, it's yeah, tough, but the reputation right? is being damaged the more nonsense that you're working on. Like at this point, Iguanabe's biggest complaint well, is that the publisher continues to give them these kind of projects, and they have to take them in order to keep their studio open but now other publishers and others who want to contract them for work know them as a licensed game studio so they're like well it's frick we'll we'll give them some of our licensed product and then they have something like um uh what was the game called it was uh don't they 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 were able to make their own game uh what lies in the multiverse i think it was what it was that was their game not by game mill or anything like that and that game actually did well critically, and it's 85, I think, on Open Critic with an 81% uh, recommendation rate or something like that. The numbers might be reversed, but they can't do those kind of games because they keep having to churn out licensed garbage, and the opportunities decrease for them to be able to do their own thing. That would probably turn out a lot better for them, not only critically, but financially over time. Because they have to keep on doing this garbage that people keep giving them because, you know, okay, it pays the bills, but their resume is looking worse and worse. Well, I mean, it depends on what you do, right? Like, I don't, I don't, it's complicated because this has been going on for decades. I mean, this is how the industry works, right? A lot, my, my favorite game developer, like of all time, actually, Inti Creates, they, 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 they got their start making like Mega Man games contracted out by Capcom. And in between that, they would make a bunch of these licensed games. And eventually they started publishing their own games, like after almost 15 years of running their company this way. I mean, it's not a fast process. Sure. Yeah. And you can't, you can't, you gotta, you know, I would be great if everyone could work on exactly what they liked to, right? Like, you know, we talked earlier, I think off the podcast, but like, it'd be great if, 
the legal stuff was my side job, right? But that's, <laughs> you know, you, oh, yeah. you, you gotta, sometimes you gotta go through crap. You gotta do what pays the bills. And yeah, you can point to, I mean, you don't have to put everything on your resume, right? You know? Um, no, and, but and, I mean, like, what, what are you gonna leave off when most of it is and, bad? <laughs> right? well, and, so. and, you know, and part of it is like, well, Maybe you can point to like, well, I did this one specific thing in this time frame, and maybe you can explain it that way. Or you can, I mean, a lot of these people really, what they should be doing is working on their own stuff outside of work too, and like building up. I'm sure they are. Yeah. And, you know, you can't necessarily rely on what pays the bills to like get you to where you want to be. But as a studio, like that, that is, that is the ultimate goal. Like, and and I understand that's why they are doing this and these kind of projects, but this was a project for them that blew up so bad for them because everybody, including us, dunked on them. So, I mean, they. This was one of those. It's like, no, there, there's some damage control we need to do. So somebody was like, I'm just going to anonymously talk to the press because this is bad. This is bad press for us, and this horrible optics. Because if this story did not come out. This is how I would label Iguana B. Separate from what lies in the multiverse, it's like, oh, they had one hit. The rest is garbage. I would write them off as a developer. Like, I would, oh, Iguana B made this? What are the chances that'll be good? Slim to nothing, right? So now that we have alternatively, huh? Without without King Kong, you probably wouldn't be talking about Iguana B ever at all under any circumstances. So, you know, (laughs) but. That's the problem with this particular situation for Iguana Bee. This game that we probably wouldn't know about, but I guess it's King Kong, so I guess it was big enough to create some attention. But that attention was so bad because the internet was dunking on them. You got to fix that. <laughs> like, So this is well, what I, they decided to do. And it's an interesting dilemma because, you know, part of, just to go back to the AAA stuff real quick, I mean, a lot of those games are in development forever, then get canceled and everyone signed an NDA so they can't talk about it. So you have like years of your life gone completely too. I mean, it, a lot of the situations just, there's just no winning. Sometimes you're attached to bad projects. Sometimes you can't even tell anyone what you did on anything. Right. Yeah. And it, it's just like just major problems of how game industry handles their talent too. Just like, it seems like they want to bury individuals as much as possible. Like you can see, even see it like in stuff like, so, you know, like Hideo Kojima, obviously he had his big dramatic exit from Konami and all that. Yeah, that was ugly. And if you look at how Konami handles their staff now, you don't really know anyone who's doing stuff. Like they have these Castlevania collections they're releasing and they'll have interviews with staff, but they'll just label them as Castlevania producer, as in you don't get his name. You, they don't want you to know who these people are who are working on their games anymore. <laughs> And it's just like it's it's very strange and it's concerning, like in a lot of different directions. And then I I I feel for the developers in working on this game. I understand that this will be hit. I mean, it, you know, it's tough for them. But I don't know if there's like a good solution. And one way to think about it is, is just that it's kind of good that people are talking about them at all, and they're kind of like. There might be eyes on their next project because obviously they put out a good game already, right? I mean, they know, and maybe that draws attention to that project. Maybe it gives them more opportunities to be like, you know, 
we we made King Kong, but we can make good stuff too. Here's a redemption arc, you know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, mean, I I feel like this could be one of those situations where a publisher that is interested in working with capable developers comes out of the woodwork and is like, oh yeah, like okay, we see what you do with what lies in the multiverse. Clearly, you got talent. You're stuck doing this. Pitch us a game, and let, let's see if we can we can do something. I feel like that's their out. And maybe that was part of the decision in saying something. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the, like you said with NT creates, yes, this is a, this is, it's all business. It's just very ugly and not And they're a Chilean developer. Like nobody knows about Chilean developers, you know? So like we need more international developers, putting out great games we get more perspective we get more enjoyment we get it, it it's good for the industry as a whole so the fact that these guys are kind of getting buried under this junk it's an ugly side i get it it's business i they accept it but with this kind of publicity right now that that they cannot accept that There, there's a story out that less than 1% of Netflix subscribers engage with the game portion of Netflix. And I thought this was interesting because I forgot Netflix has games. <laughs> I exclusively use Netflix on my TV and I never see anything about games on mobile. Like they, there's no advertisement. There's nothing like, Hey, did you know there were games on Netflix for mobile? Why don't you go check that out? They don't do anything to entice me to, to engage with the mobile app. So how many people do you even think knows Netflix has games? 1% sounds a little high to me. <laughs> it's less than so. <laughs> yeah, it is less than 1%. It could be 0.9. Uh, or less. I don't know when you have too hot to handle two on there. I mean, I don't know why people aren't on Netflix gaming. So they got, they got some other good ones. Uh, there, I forget there was an early iOS game that came out, um, that I forget the name of off the top of, uh, monumental Valley monument yeah. Valley. Uh, one and two is on there. Uh, they, they got a few other games that are good. Um, trying to figure out some of this. I'm looking through some of the different ones. Like they've got 12 minutes on there. You know, if you feel like kissing yeah. your brother. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just ruined the big twist. Oh, no. uh, they have oxen free. Okay, oxen free. Moon, That's Moonlighter. Um, they have a Shredder's Revenge. It's a very respected game. Yeah. yeah, I thought I thought they had. Wait, so you're supposed to play this on your phone. Yeah, believe be that's the way. Look, I've seen I've seen the younger generation play some of these <laughs> games on the phone, and they got it down. I don't know All how right. they do it. If they put it in my hands, I'd look like I'd never played a video game in my life. But they got it down. All right, I'll trust you on that. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's also one of those things where you could probably connect a controller. Um, that's true too. Uh, Okay. I thought sense. if I remember, like, I don't see it when I'm looking in here because I'm looking at like the list of all the games. For some reason, I thought that they had that uh, WrestleQuest game. It might be. Oh, yeah. 
It might not be on there right now. It may be coming to Netflix games. Maybe they haven't gotten it on the on there yet, but it's supposed to be coming to to it. So it it makes me wonder how much Netflix cares about the game side. If one percent less than one percent of subscribers engage with the game's portion of it, is it something that they just have to? Because I don't know if they had an earnings call, um, and so they just have to point that out. But is it something they're trying to grow? Because if it's something they're trying to grow, I expect something. Again, I exclusively use Netflix on TV. I don't really use my phone for Netflix. So who would do that? I doesn't. That's I know everybody else does. I just don't have time to sit on my phone, and most of the time. Well, I I just think that's weird to watch stuff on your phone. Why would you want? I don't know. It's a ton of people do it. I I I I know like. Well, actual movies, now. actual movies, like that's strange. <laughs> that's strange. Yeah, they, Netflix is definitely doing something because they they've hired a bunch of big names and brought them over. Uh, I agree. Because that, like, but you Joseph just bring them Staten, over and not Joseph Staten is is yeah, you're right. Netflix yeah. now, the former creative director of Halo. So right. you're doing so something. You, you can't. Like if I'm Joseph Staten, Satan, I think it's Staten, but I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not. If I'm him, I'm coming to Netflix and like one less one percent, <laughs> less than one percent of the subscribers on this platform are going to play my game. Now it could be a play of they're trying to get more just gamers to subscribe to Netflix, whether or not they watch movies. Yeah, but still. Well, they I feel might like be chasing down the Amazon Prime, you know, the the more extras you have, the less likely you are to leave, and and the easier we can feel, better we can feel about raising our price. Is there a is there enough though for that? I I'm not saying there's well, enough. I'm just saying that might be part of the reasoning. No, I, I know. I just but if that's part of the reasoning, is that going to be? something that lasts long enough to justify the games division existing. Well, I, I can understand investing in gaming. You know, they have, they probably have spreadsheets, but that's what all the kids are doing now. Right. But um, why would you tie it to Netflix specifically? You know, it, no one's going to Netflix to play games. They're going there to watch stuff. It's like the, almost the exact opposite. Like, well, we know it's a publicly <laughs> traded company, right? So they got to figure out more ways to make money. Well, then so open, it's like, open well, your own we... gaming app or something, like something that like actually makes sense instead of this. You know, well, I mean, we, we, we see this all the time with you know, uh, I mean, GameFly started with games. Now they do movies as well, uh, and in a smaller version of this. I mean, you look at all the gaming websites; hardly any of them stick to just games anymore, right? The the audience and the way things work and what is going to drive traffic games is not enough anymore. So I guess in the same way with Netflix, like movies is not enough anymore. So we need to branch out into something else. Now it's weird because Netflix is built on movies. Its whole name is built on movies. So the ad games feels antithetical to all of that, but I think it can work to some degree. That's probably, that's probably what that's probably what the guy said at the board meeting. <laughs> I do think it can work. Yeah, <laughs> I think it could work, guys. No, I think Netflix has an interesting 
position because I mean it's already got a bunch of subscribers. I think it could be the next GameFly of you know for video games. Uh, GameFly obviously came out of the idea of net from Netflix in the first place, but GameFly is in trouble because as games become more digital, GameFly is really not going to go in that direction. So the current Netflix of video games is Game Pass, but if you're if Netflix could somehow somehow this would be lofty but somehow be able to get games from other platforms strictly digital on their platform that would be very because that's what gamefly does like you can rent playstation 5 you can rent nintendo rent xbox you can rent retro if netflix could figure out a way to do that there's some there's something there for digital No thoughts well, I, on that. I, well, really? I, well I, I do. I have. I have too many thoughts on it. Really. Okay, well, <laughs> well, and, and so talk to me. Part, yeah. I mean, part of it is the whole idea of renting games. It makes sense when it's digital to an extent, but I mean, inherently, I feel like the rental model is for people with a lot of time, right? It's for people like who are in school and stuff. Like, otherwise, you're kind of bouncing, be, you know, between people things. People can burn and, through things, right? Who Otherwise, you're kind of just bouncing through things just to try them. And yeah, you can do that, but that's it, going to be depend entirely on the selection, right? Like, no, I think that's not... that, that's the blockbuster rental model. Like the current rental model, at least uh, if we're taking GameFly as an example, is you rent it and you keep it for as long as you want. There is no return date. Well, okay, well, I, I've never I've used GameFly a lot, like in the past two years, but never to actually rent anything. It's because they have. <laughs> They, they sell those games for used prices way cheaper than way earlier than anyone else. They and do, so it's yeah. Like... <laughs> no, it's, it's great for that too. It absolutely yeah. is. I got Street Fighter Six for fourteen dollars. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's great, and it's like the secret that barely anyone pays attention to. But yeah, I mean, so I mean that make that makes a little more sense. But and just in general, right? Like if you know if you're working and you want a game, you're gonna. Usually, you're not buying a game is not a huge barrier to you when you you make money and have a job. I mean, renting is more like for like when you were younger and you had like a limited amount of money. You want to try a game for like a weekend or something, and then you return it to the blockbuster, or whatever. And obviously, the Game Pass model is like that. You know, Xbox wants Game Pass to be your life and how you only play games ever going forward. But that's not really realistic and how people do it right i mean you're still going to buy specific games you want you know it, it it's not appealing to people by numbers seems like the wrong strategy and so i feel like a lot of these subscriptions and these rental services are kind of doomed by focusing focusing so much on the quantity rather than necessarily like quality or great value or like actually trying to like meet you know meet a need Meet me to need and like a money disposing audience need, particularly like school children, sure, but their parents are paying for that, and I think that only goes so far. Um, but especially yeah. now in this in this age where there's so much free stuff, right? I mean, it's so easy to go on YouTube or whatever and just get like or Twitch and just have like infinite free entertainment for stuff. It's not necessarily if people are going to go out and get and play a game, it's like they're going to like pick it. Like they're not necessarily looking for an a la carte thing sometimes, like maybe to try it out once or twice, but it's not like 
it's never going to be a big part of their life. And especially now where there's like a billion subscription services, like I think people are getting sick of them <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So agreed. So, I mean, can Netflix do a Hail Mary and totally change everything about this nonsensical idea? Maybe, but I don't think so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was waiting for David to jump in, but <laughs> uh, I mean, it's I get why they're doing things. It's just not like you said, they're apparently not marketing it well at all. So, because there's people love mobile games, but obviously they don't love mobiling on. Well, there's so <laughs> many free mobile games. Like, it's just yeah. the idea of like renting uh, not a well, total mismatch for the market. But, but, <laughs> well, it's, it's not a mismatch in the terms of like Netflix already has a ton of subscribers. This to me is more about retention than it is about gaining new subscribers. Yeah, it's yeah. more about. To me, that to me, it's more about hey, how do we continue to keep you engaged with our ecosystem? Uh, again, like Amazon does. Uh, I, there's a lot of people who swear by Spotify. I use Amazon Music. Why? It's already partially tied into my Amazon Prime account, so I've already got some Spotify. of it. I can tell you uh, why I don't you use know? Amazon Music over Spotify because the selection is weaker and i have to pay for the larger selection which i already do i have a family plan with that so we we do that so there it's like yeah okay, i'm already tied into that ecosystem there uh, yep. i'm already tied into the ecosystem with prime video so i buy all my movies through prime it, of course it helps that movies anywhere is there but a lot of times if it's not a movies anywhere title i buy it on amazon <laughs> uh, it's just this thing about again ecosystem and retaining people in your ecosystem so the biggest thing that i'm more surprised about is you've got a ton as much as netflix has hemorrhage subscribers they're still the biggest sub service out there when it comes to the movies movies and right. shows streaming they are still the kings uh, a lot of people tried to dethrone them and it still hasn't worked even with them raising prices like crazy part of that again you raise the price, but you offer more. That is the way that you that you manage to make it hurt less. But I'm surprised, like you said, if less than one percent of subscribers subscribers know about it, that means they need to be advertising it better to their subscribers, because that's how you retain people. Again, is to give them more value for the money that they're paying. And if you already have that value, why are you not advertising it better? Like that's just yeah. a failure on Netflix's part. And it does have to be some gaudy advertisement, you know. As as you Netflix get emails from Netflix probably, like, if you're like any other streaming service, you get an email about the new stuff that just dropped all the time. I mean, to push Why not throw that in there? Do that. I don't know. That? I don't know. If, I mean, I have Netflix on my phone. I haven't turned off notifications because I don't get them. Yeah. But I is there, is there a tab? Is there a tab? If you've got Netflix on your phone, is there a tab for games on there? On there? I literally don't open Netflix on my okay. phone. I was just, I was asking just cause I didn't I know if you knew, if Actually, you knew, I don't have my phone. If you had your, if you oh, had your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Let me look, let me, let me answer that question right now. That, that was more, that was more my question is just, you know, does, does it have a tab? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm opening it right now. Um, I'll turn down my volume. 
Like, and how easy, if it does, how easy is it to find that tab? You know? So right that's, now, that's I see the new series, Get Gotti. And at the top, TV shows, movies, categories. And then just barely under the movie advertisement is mobile games, my list. Um, so then I click on yeah, the games and it just goes straight to nothing here yet. So then there's a browse games button. So already yeah. I kind of, I kind of got to look for it. And then I have to press twice to, you know, it's like, if I don't have any games, then you just send me straight to the page yeah. where I can play it. Oh, spirit fairs on there. That's cool. Um, Are you going to do like a live play of like turtles right now or? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I feel like it would like, to me, it's like, I feel like have it like almost a, if you really want to do stuff, have it as a choice as soon as you boot up the app. Yeah, this is what my screen looks like right now. Is there any personal information? No. Uh, this is what it looks like right now. Yeah, like, to me, it's like have it when it boots up that down, I have to... Boom, there it is. Yep. So, I mean, that's better than I thought it was going to be, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, yes. But, uh, yeah. yeah but you, I didn't even you, see this, like, games thing, like the the icon at the bottom. So it's not horrible, but again, I forgot. Totally forgot. Yep. Well, yeah. and I think part of that might just speak to general interest, right? Like you, you knew at one point and you cared so little you forgot. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know the interest of the subscriber. Like, well, and I that guess just it's similar. So there's, there's probably not a yeah. steady stream of content either. So, that's but probably there's enough hurting. on here. Like, even though I quickly scrolled through some of the games, there's enough on there to, you know, sink some time into it to justify like, okay, there's a reason why there's some stuff. There's some stuff here, but less, less than 1% engage. Some of them have to feel like me and I'm in the game space. So if I'm in the game space and I pay attention to this stuff and I forget it exists, then I know there's way more people who don't even engage with this who for, who forgot it exists. Yep, it's it's just poorly marketed. That's the easiest way to put it. All right, so I wanted to bring this up as our last little fun topic, totally unrelated to games, but at my Kong job, again. Huh? <laughs> Kong again. <laughs> my job, King Kong uh, decided to pay me a visit. Uh, no, so at my job, I have an event. Uh, we're doing a cakewalk, so I needed cake trays. So I w I went to the store and to get some. And I'll name the store after I ask the question and get your guys' thoughts. But if you were shopping at a grocery store, where do you think you would find disposable cake trays? On the disposable cake tray aisle, obviously. There you go. One singular aisle, a line of foil disposable cake trays just blinding you as you walk down the aisle. Do you guys even go to the Okay, there you go. I would assume that you're talking, it would probably, if I was looking, I would assume it would be somewhere in like like the aisle that has like the napkins, plastic cutlery, that kind of an aisle. Okay, 
I could see that. Maybe right. maybe some next to the cakes, but like it's just that would, that would in have a supermarket you usually <laughs> in a supermarket you still usually don't have that uh level of marketing <laughs> of of <laughs> mar- merchandising, should I say? <laughs> so Jack and I are more on the ga- same page. I would figure I'm going to find disposable cake trays next to cakes. Instead, I found them next to uh number one upstairs and number two next to what is labeled as housewares and so these are like non-disposable bowls and non-disposable cups and non-disposable a whole bunch of other stuff that i would not expect to find them so yes i i was in walmart and walmart be labeling stuff very weird and yeah i just i went through the grocery section downstairs Went to the baking section. I'm like disposable cake tray. Like nobody's <laughs> that stuff. So let me just go where you would obviously find that next to the baking goods, where I would actually need the thing that you don't really need that often. But no, I had to go upstairs where the electronics are and the home good stuff and the office equipment stuff and go to the houseware section and find it there. I'm like this does not make any sense to me is there is have you guys have ever had that kind of experience where you go into a store and it's like good god like why is it over here just the other week I mean, I was looking i've had for it like, before for sure i was looking for like some kind of like spice like and you'd think you like go to like the spice aisle to find the spices but it was actually next to the, like, the tacos so. <laughs> <laughs> i just had a similar situation with Tomoy about that it wasn't smart and final and I thought the chamoy would be with the rest of the sauces. Nope. By the by the tacos. <laughs> like like, Why? Okay. What happened with you, David? Oh, I've just said I've had that happen before. I can't remember the exact instance, but I like that emotion is is very I know that emotion. The why why is this here? Yes. Uh, I don't, yeah, grocery store layouts, Walmart layouts, I don't, I do not understand them. And I'm sure every Walmart's a little bit different. Maybe, maybe your local Walmart has the disposable cake trays by <laughs> the baking goods as they should be. But mine, no. Nope. store, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe baking is a big thing. So your Walmart just has them as soon as you walk in the door. I mean, I personally just go to the disposable cake tray store. Right, yeah. <laughs> the well, that's right next store, to the grocery right? store. And so, yeah, walk a little further. So, <laughs> I could probably find some of those at the container store. I didn't realize. <laughs> when you walk into the container store, you realize everything is a container. It's like, oh, frick. Yeah, I guess the trash can is a container, isn't it? Every, everything's a sandwich, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for us this week. <laughs> appreciate you watching, appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you later. Deuces. Peace. Bye.